Hey there, Film Buds. Welcome back to the Film Buds Podcast. I'm your host, Paul. And I'm Lauren. And it's December. But is it Christmas month? Hells no. Not on this show. Uh, not so, this year. No, not this year. Last year, we did do a whole Christmas month. It was great. Mm-hmm. We also had some Hanukkah in there. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, terrible Hanukkah movie. But, um... Well, Adam's gonna Sandler. As he will. Uh, and so this year, we were actually intending a Christmas month. Mm-hmm. But because our affiliation with the incredible North Carolina Film Critics Association, over the last few weeks, we have been getting uh, bombarded, like with Uncle Vernon with letters from Hogwarts. With swag. With swag, with screeners, all sorts of stuff. Well, you've been getting more specifically, but... Baby, we're married. It's we. I know, I know, but none of the shirts fit me. They don't fit me, some of them, technically. Um, but we have got sweaters, we've got shirts, we've got hats, we've got screener discs, we've got soundtracks, we even have a scarf. Yeah, yeah. The, or the... Uh, a handkerchief. Yeah, is that what it's supposed to be? Is it supposed to be like a handkerchief? I thought it was like a bandana, but a handkerchief makes more sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and all of them are all in the name of for your consideration campaigns, which we discussed again, actually earlier this year on our Oscar uh, episode. It's amazing how things come full circle. It is. Um, and now I find myself on the recipient end. A four-year consideration campaigns. And let me tell you, even on the barest bitch level... It's so it's fancy. Good. It's so <laughs> fancy. No, like, yeah, like, to I, come home and, like, just have a package that oh, you expect to have. It's like, it, I understand why they do it at this time of year. It's like mini Christmases. And it has hard kombucha, you say, you that's, know? That's like, for me. That, that, that is the, the thing that's for me. But, like, these are... it. Even on the most barest rung of this publicity ladder, it's fascinating how good it is. No, yeah, and it also, like, totally tipped the scale. It's like, well, I wonder what movies we're going to talk about. Let's let's see how good the swag was. (laughs) Was it worth a fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, all, all month long we're going to be doing... Movies that came out this year, movies that are part of the four-year consideration campaigns we're getting, much thanks to, of course, all of the studios that have sent us all of this sort of stuff. Uh, and Yeah, it wasn't expected, honestly. I know. decided, no, not at all, to be frank. Um, and I decided to really kick things off with something that was, I guess, a little bit of pure want. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when you're getting sent all of this stuff, you suddenly realize that you're being sent access to movies, some of which are available readily, some of which are not, depending. Um, but you realize, oh, that is a movie that I wanted to see. You know, oh, that is that is something that, that you know, caught my eye. 
Uh, and so for our first movie of the month, I decided to just go pure want. And we got access to the Neon Year 6 for your consideration campaign, which is about, I'd call that like a dozen movies mm-hmm. uh, or so um, that are all for your consideration. Uh, and as a refresher for those that don't know, a for your consideration campaign is essentially a studio, a producer, etc., deciding that they want the film to be in the awards circuit. And so they go through and they send screeners, swag, things that they think will get the movie talked about. Mm-hmm. And in in specific for certain things. Uh, and so if you ever watch like a four-year consideration screener leading up to certain pivotal moments, big emotional beats you'll see a little four-year consideration thing crop up right at the at the top of the moment as like a, a here's where we're getting good this is the movie part you know this is this is the oscar clip you oh, know yeah. kind oh, yeah. of yeah pay stuff. attention to this part right mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. he's about to monologue you know mm-hmm, kind of stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. put down your cell phone exactly uh and so we've been sent I mean, you know, the like I said, the neon one was like a, a half a dozen or a dozen. Um, I've probably got 20 more of these things. Oh, yeah, that are just in like sleeves. And then mm-hmm. we've got like, what, four boxes? Yeah, three or four like proper boxes of stuff that included, again, hats, shirts, sweaters, kombucha, all kinds of stuff. You know, this is this is where we're getting into proper... Uh, awards courtship. And I've even had a little bit of a glimpse into some of this, you know, in my time living in L.A. Um, On the tail end, once awards have been nominated, it's even still a whole fussy thing. Uh, I remember someone that I was seeing at the time worked at a trailer house that did a lot of publicity, a lot of publicity for La La Land. Oh, I bet they got swag. Well, here's the thing. There's this weird reciprocal thing of like, if we did work for you to try and make sure that you come back to us, we're going to continue to court you even after the work is done. Okay. So like Isn't a lot like of the La La Land work, what I guess, was done, but they were still involved and planning on sending all of this stuff. But then the La La Land Moonlight debacle happened. Oh no! So then they just had and all so this stuff. Even though La La Land won awards, plenty mm-hmm. of awards that night, mm-hmm. the cake and the letter and some of the other stuff was really only for if they won Best Picture. And they did not. And so then the cake just got eaten by the office staff. You know, it's like this really weird interplay of politics mm-hmm. that that surrounds the entire campaign from essentially from now until, like, February. 
Wow. And uh, it's it's not just even the stuff that they're sending out. You know, it's it's the late night appearances. It's the daytime talk appearances. Um, it's all of it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I decided with all of these things, like I said, look around. You eventually find something that you go, I wanted to see that. And I realized that one of the four-year consideration movies that we had was David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. And I'm a big Cronenberg uh, fan, not necessarily actually from, I guess, the things that typically make a Cronenberg fan. Um, But I'm a big Cronenberg fan. I'm a big Viggo Mortensen fan. Huge. Um... And so, and I love whenever they work together. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is their third collaboration. And so I really wanted to jump into this and I wanted to kick off, you know, the the four-year consideration campaign season, which will be now for the rest of December, with a lot of stuff that was, the things that really caught my eye, the stuff that I wish that I had seen earlier in the year. And Mm -hmm. so also this will be a little bit of a Mm catch-up on 2022. Which is, which is, you know, what you really need, you know, a nice refresher for those who have already seen these things. And for us who, who don't, who watch all old things, this is a nice, like, huh, what happened this New year? New movies do come out. Huh. Um, Pick through the weeds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and so it'll, it'll be an exciting time. I hope that it's enjoyable. We've got swag. I'll take pictures, I'll post them online, um, but it'll be a lot of fun, and I'll, I'll also, I guess, hope to, to do something that I, I love to do, which is give a little peek behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to be informative, I love to share, I love to show, and um, it's funny how even literally, again, at the basest rung, yeah. I never expected to have, like, four shoe boxes. Shaquille O'Neal-sized shoeboxes. I was going to say, like, there are boots that went into those boxes, Full you know. of shit. Yeah, just, like, random stuff, too. And just, it was it was so exciting to just, like, open these boxes for, like, no other reason. This Just to be like, what did it's I get here. from? What did these people say? Free is the price that you shall pay for this. <laughs> you know? Um, like, no, Absolutely. Just so shocking, so surprising. And they, like, slap their names on those boxes, too. They're like, this one, this one was Glass Onions. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And so we're going to walk through, you know, some of all of that. I'll post pictures, maybe even some videos. Um, Who knows? Maybe maybe some of it will end up on on TikTok, for God's sake. Um, Stay tuned, God but the TikTok. that's that's sort of the the big crux for what we're going to be doing moving forward. So before we really start talking about crimes of the future in earnest, I thought that we would, of course, kick off with a little discussion on um, David Cronenberg himself. Okay. Um. So Cronenberg has, of course, been around for. Uh, decades, you know, he got big, especially in the 80s with movies like The Fly. Um, but he's, he's one of those that was working beforehand doing, 
you know, a little bit of TV, a little bit of film, a little bit of music videos. You know, he was doing a lot of uh, stuff. And actually, Crimes of the Future is a little bit of um, a return to form of, of something that he had previously explored back in 1970. Okay. Um, but before we get into crimes of the future in any particular context, what is your relationship to David Cronenberg? He has a funny name. That's my relationship to David. And you know the Cronenbergs, Marty. That's right. That's right. And that one reference from, from Rick and Morty, um, is he the one where it's like the Soylent Green is people? Is that Cronenberg? I don't believe so. Okay, then then that's the only reference that I've got. Is is that one reference from from Oh gosh, I was about to call it Futurama from Rick and Morty. <laughs> that's it. That's it. The other reference, the Soil and Green reference, is from Futurama. Um I'm sure that you actually know more Cronenberg references than you realize. Well the thing is is I don't know that they're references to anything yet, so therefore they are just authentically fresh new jokes that I'm hearing for the first time from whatever the the hell, you know, is referencing a Cronenberg thing. Like if I there's no basis. <laughs> well, you know, again, one of his big ones is of course the fly. Which is almost a, a Kafka story, right? Well, yeah, it's, it's a metamorphosis. Yeah, exactly. Instead of um, Kafka who turns into the cockroach, it's it's Jeff Goldblum who turns into a fly. Yes, and it's also a little bit of, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's it's not dissimilar to that vibe of like the blob, the thing, the fly. You know, like this this referential thing of of previous sci-fi iterations mm-hmm. being brought back by um, darker, grittier modern filmmakers for their time. Mm-hmm. Grittier. Um, and um, Cronenberg, you know, part of the reason that the the things are called Cronenbergs is that he he's you know done a lot of like creature feature monster, you know malformed mm-hmm. body horror aesthetic stuff mm-hmm. not dissimilar to the fly um actually one of the flying creatures or one of the one of the cronenbergs is like almost directly like jeff goldblum um in the, if you pay in, enough attention in, in the rick episode, and morty fantastic yeah. fantastic one what? of them is like literally almost directly jeff fucking goldblum um and What's so fascinating about Cronenberg and, um, you know, you don't have much of a, of a touchstone, so I guess I'll jump in. Um, the first time that I ever saw a Cronenberg movie, my very first Cronenberg film, was Eastern Promises. Um, my family had gone down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana for one of my cousin's debutante balls. Oh, oh, well, that is a southern delicacy right there. And, uh, I was not supposed to attend. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter that there were people like my age that were definitely in attendance at that party. I had been told, we had been told that I was not supposed to attend. So, I was trapped up in the hotel room. It was the Marriott that runs right through Baton Rouge. If you, if you run down... Um, the interstate, I'm blanking on the interstate that runs through Baton Rouge. 
Um, but if you run through that interstate, it's an east-wester. And um, there's, a, there's a Marriott right in the heart of Baton Rouge that you can see, you know, when you're coming up on, like, the LSU campus exits and all of that. And that's the Marriott that I stayed at for much of my youth in Baton Rouge. And it's in that hotel that I saw my first Cronenberg film. My parents left. How my old sister were you? left. Um, let's see, this was 2007. So I was 12? Uh, no, 2007. I was, um. 15? 15. I was 15. I'd been in that hotel room a lot. Uh, I was 15, um, at this particular instance. And, um,. This was my second time being alone in that hotel room. My first time alone was 14. My second time was 15. And, um... The rule was I could I could order room service. I could watch anything on pay-per-view. And this was at that point also where I was watching The Departed for the first time. Going back into Scorsese's filmography. You know, really touching on some of these... Harder things that my mom felt at that point, like I was hitting a point that I could access them. And, um, you know, generally speaking, as long as it wasn't porn, I could essentially order anything that I wanted to watch on pay-per-view. And the movie that had caught my eye was this Viggo Mortensen Russian crime drama. Like, that was the thing that sold me on Eastern Promises, my first Cronenberg movie, was just this this promise of Viggo Mortensen playing a Russian gangster. I was big into Godfather, I was big into Goodfellas, I was big into The Departed. This felt like a natural... Mm-hmm. Right into that train of thought. And, uh... I was horrified and blown away... In, in so many ways by how profoundly violent that film is. Mm-hmm. Um, simple violence, but because of the starkness and the, and the uh, matter-of-factness of Cronenberg's visual language, it was made all the more stark. You know, just watching a frozen body having its fingers snipped off oh. seemed all the more plainly awful Mm. by the it's Tuesday nature of it Uh, in the way that it's filmed you know what I mean no I get what you're saying um and I think that that's something that is just so brilliant about Cronenberg as a filmmaker it's almost not dissimilar to the prose of Hemingway Mm -hmm. it is a uh athletic nature of storytelling that is to the point and real about it and that's also what makes the tender moments great the weird moments weird and the violent moments sudden and violent um and so i guess sort of leading into that actually we should just go ahead and start discussing your first Cronenberg film. Woo! Crimes of the Future. Uh, it came out this year, 2022. Um, it is one hour, 47 minutes long. It is written and directed by David Cronenberg. 
Uh, it stars Viggo Mortensen, Leah Seydoux, Kristen Stewart, and Scott Speedman. And the premise is humans adapt to a synthetic environment with new transformations and mutations. With his partner, Caprice, Saul Tenser, celebrity performance artist, publicly showcases the metamorphosis of his organs in avant-garde performance. Wow, that was such a paragraph. <laughs> I'm really glad I like, made it through it. But it really, like, just scrapes the surface, honestly. Scrape, indeed. Um, that's right, that's right. <clears throat> so, without any further ado... What did you think of David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future? And would you consider it? We'll get into this, I guess, as we go. Would you consider it for awards consideration? Oh, ooh, fancy, fancy, fancy. Um, okay, so what did I think about this this film? Um this movie is 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 fascinating this 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 film is right up my alley um it is it's weird but in this like you just can't look away from it kind of feeling um that just engulfs the entire thing it's it's fascinating um Vigo is fantastic I think that the entire cast is is perfectly cast I this is my favorite Kristen Stewart performance performance um of all time because it's it's the only one I where I've ever seen her act, um, which is nice. It's it's nice to see. Um, I mean, she had to. It's 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 a it's a it's a Cronenberg film. You know, the, the every time you said the name Cronenberg, I expected it to be like you know with like Mary Shelley's The Frankenstein or something. You know, like like him to be like really really no. Really, the person really that did old. Mary Schenken, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is uh, is Scorsese. No, yeah, but I was, you know, he his name is Cronenberg. You know, it sounds like somebody who should be, you know, living in like the 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 they we cranked the film out by hand era. You know what I mean? I think that's how he feels. I mean, I mean, probably, as an artist, <laughs> probably. Um, but it's just it's um, I don't think that the 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 I guess what little I knew of who Cronenberg was, um, you know, the, the one reference from Rick and Morty, you know, that didn't, didn't sway my opinion, I guess, of what I was expecting. I had no because, idea what like, I was that's, expecting. That's such a uh, almost bald reference, you yeah. know, like it, it's toothless practically. No, honestly. Um, wow. This movie. Wow. This movie. I have not stopped thinking about this movie since we watched it. Interesting. Um, I just think that this movie has a lot of interesting layers to it, and it is it is very loud. It's it's very in your face. I think about like what the message is, like what the metaphor for this um this synthetic world, you know, in this life. Um, I yeah, but I, it, I also love that like he he threw like paint at the wall and like just l- allowed it to settle, you know, wherever that paint dribbled to was like the the this is the story now, you know mm. he. The world building was was fantastic. Um, you know, from the from the idea that this is like a not so distant, honestly, future. You know, not really too far off. But the 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 humanity is is a, you know, the whole crux of the film is humanity is evolving in a in a 
alarmingly rapid rate where where people are are producing organs you know fully functioning random organs um within you know months you know or years you know but like this is these are things that are that are that are impossible but then like leaning into this idea that because we've also like evolved we've we've evolved past the need for pain and um it is it is leaned into really really hard in this film this idea that like without pain you can do whatever you want and so like people are literally like cutting each other for sex you know it's 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 it, and it's not like for sex like this is like currency this is this is the act of sex you know but it's it's fully we dive all the way into it. It's not like a, a bunch of actors being like, "Oh, this is weird," but you know, this is the job that I got. I got, and I and I and I'm getting paid to do it. So, here we go. You know, we didn't we didn't watch Chris Pat in this thing. Like, you know, just just give up, because um, he would have never been able to do this. He's not that good of an actor. Um, it just ah, oh, this this film is. I could I could gush over this movie for for quite some time, but I'm also like you know it's a four year consideration. I feel like I shouldn't give too much away. People should watch it. <laughs> um, how did um, what are you, what are your what are your thoughts? Well, I I first want to circle back around to your point about sensation, and I think that. There are very few films that really get into the idea of um, pain and pleasure. But I think that Cronenberg as a filmmaker is um, acutely aware of the allure of pain and pleasure and violence and sex and um what is more penetrative than surgery mm-hmm. than endoscopically looking into a person and that also starts to hit into interesting ideas on voyeurism right um not just surgery and sex but even this sort of um pre-surgery act of looking in at an organ that excites um it's it's fascinating stuff and also and i think kind of touches on an almost nihilistic edge pain pleasure bodily reception is for so much a key part of how we identify self, of how we identify place. And um, part of the questioning of this film is ultimately, is the human experience a set one? Mm -hmm. Or can it be something different? Um... Because humanity is starting to evolve beyond enjoying wine and and cheese and and charcuterie 
and is evolving beyond the point of truly simple heteronormative sex, because I imagine at a certain point the same things that are denying you the sensation of pain are probably also denying you the same sensation of pleasure Mm -hmm. physically. You can't, I think, divorce the two. Um, Sensorily speaking. I mean, maybe you can, but... um, And I think that that's part of what's so fascinating about this movie in particular. Um, And ultimately, this movie, what I also really enjoyed about it was, I guess, some of the the sort of... um, nature of of Cronenberg almost telling the story of an older artist realizing that he still has more to give to the world. Especially if he just accepts whoever he is as an artist. Um, Which is kind of the the journey that Vigo's character goes down, to a degree. Um, To your point, I've actually... um, I've maybe, even just in in the brief moment of talking out loud about it, potentially found more enjoyment uh, in the film than, than just when I immediately left it. I thought that this movie, had, it was it hit all of my, my buttons, you know. It was this really, really abstract, but like... Grounded emotionally. Yeah, yeah, where it's like they were, they, they talked very loftily, you know, kind of like how, um, oh gosh, who does, who does Hill House? Oh, Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan loves to monologue. He loves monologuing. And and I, I'm totally here for it. You know, I did get a degree in musical theater. I have read a script or two in my time. Um, and it's just really nice to hear, like, dialogue. It's, it's, it's so rare, honestly, because films can have have short attention spans like like audiences and it's just really nice to be like taken seriously as a as a viewer for a little bit and just like get to like really digest something interesting for a little bit um and and I'm not I'm not saying that this movie did not make me uncomfortable there were definitely times when like I was uncomfortable but that was the, that was the whole point of the film was that everybody was uncomfortable with this idea this new person these new types of people and and even at a at a government level you know even the 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 machinery that was used to to help these people who were suffering for pain was really honestly just subduing this this uh this um metamorphosis that they were going through as as a human being and once they finally realized what was going on and and it accepted it that they were actually happier you know in the end with this outcome Happier, healthier. Yeah. Literally physically healthier. You know, you know, the the body isn't rejecting anymore. It's it's actually living comfortably in, in homeostasis. And and I just I I loved how um this movie portrayed like things that we're talking about right now, you know, in politically, um in, in, in across the world, you know, well, these, this idea mm-hmm. of, of of what is the next generation going to look like this this new version of humanity what does humanity look like when it's heading toward a precipice how does it evolve mm-hmm. to address the plummet no yeah well and also what's so interesting about the movie is that i think that 
on a on a on a certain read, obviously, there is definitely a lot of stuff in there about abortion and about choice and about choice of uh, bodily autonomy. But also I think that Cronenberg, whether or not he agrees with it, is willing to also as an artist and maybe even just as, a, as an open thinker, willing to extend that idea to the idea of as long as none of the choices of what I do to my body harm anyone else, then ultimately it isn't anyone else's business. And and that's, I think, a, a hard pill to swallow even for some people of certain, you know, more liberal-leaning perspectives, this idea that, like, truly as long as it doesn't bother anyone, right? Certain things medically scientifically speaking like in a pandemic setting you can't live in an isolated bubble but in this particular instance nothing he was doing was truly bothering anyone Mm -hmm. it was his body to do with his organs as he chose well i also just like really enjoyed this this world that was built around it you know the, the the human norms were 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 different in this world by like just, just random things you know um i i loved this this idea that like everybody was super into you know because of the fact that there was no no pain really and people were literally like cutting themselves for with sex you know sex is surgery is literally a line from from the film um is the fact that um with that there were other just like social norms that were just blurred entirely. This, 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 this emergence of, 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 of art being this like display of, of you know, scarification of, of different forms of, of bodily transformation in the form of art. The fact that this world was so interested in, in this, this visual medium out of, out of, out of, you know, it, it just it was it was so so interesting well and on a certain level the vigo character is kind of on a journey to reconnect very directly with what makes him human because you know kristen stewart says surgery is the new sex he misspeaks and says, sex is the new surgery. I think that for him at this point in his life, he's almost hit this um, clinical detachment from the world to a certain degree. Well, I think that that's what chronic pain can do for someone. And not feeling like you have a place in the world. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, he was, he felt isolated, and so he continued to isolate himself. And, and what is that sheriff not essentially a spine in a rib cage? Mm-hmm. And he the was moment trapped that he his... finally mm-hmm. accepts... Who he is. Everything about who he is. There's one part of himself that he isn't letting be honest. It's the part that he keeps excising. Mm-hmm. And the For moment... somebody else's 
comfort for the for the norms of the people mm-hmm. you know he has also been a part of the the brainwashed masses it's a very complicated told, movie being told that that this these changes are bad that you should you know you should you should you should you should not accept what's what's happening to you and you should you should go back to to how we were you know there's this whole line um in the in the film when they're talking about this new evolution of human which is which has become able to to digest plastics and synthetics you know it's 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 poison yeah you know but it also it makes sense in the world that we've created which is a world that is that is filled with plastic so it's also what's in abundance exactly you know if 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 a species is to survive it it adapts to what's plentiful exactly exactly but this this rejection of of a thriving society and in 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 order to keep with tradition and the realization at the end of the movie that society has been fighting this idea for at least as long as Vigo's character has been alive mhm and that you know who you're led to believe was the first natural born Mm-hmm. was actually not it's a very layered very intelligent not for everyone no 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 this movie, movie. is not for everyone and i will say this um i was almost surprised how comfortable i was in its most graphic nature and i think that, that probably is is largely due to the fact that i have recently exposed myself to more graphic content like Ducarnau's Raw, you know, well, and, and that I sort of thing. Well, I also think that it is the context of the film itself. That's fair. It was never presented in a way that felt... Grotesque. Exactly, because it was supposed to be sexy. And how these people are living. Exactly, because for them, these things are sex. It It again goes back to the starkness of how, I guess, what I was saying of how Cronenberg shoots something. Mm-hmm. This is the reality of it. Yeah, this is just this, these are just the facts. This is just what the world is. And if so, if you're uncomfortable, it's not because of how I shot it. It's because of it's because of you, you know, it's, or because it is uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, but I think that I think that um, because it is it is portrayed in such a, a sensual fashion that it it really lends itself to being less uncomfortable and and honestly i think i think that this movie is very successful in in all of its themes um from from the fact that this this movie is very overtly sexual you know to the point where we ha- we see several naked women and and half in of many naked... ways it could have almost been a verhoeven it could have it could have and that's i think that that's there's this like weird cusp of it being like a I he think, almost pushed all the way into Verhoeven territory. No, yeah, but I think that this is more focused. Much more. Um, because it's not about the the thrill of the sex. The, the the sex is another layer to to the world that we're in. You know, the fact that all of these boundaries have been torn away and people are still even even in that aspect of it, afraid and 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 horrified of what humanity has become because of you know, even these little things, it's not even about the fact that people are eating plastic. Some people are upset about the fact that, you know, because humanity has evolved so much, they don't, 
They don't get, they don't get sick. They don't have disease. Disease is done. And so you can just like cut yourself open, you know, and, and do open heart surgery basically on yourself and like have no real ramifications, you know, it's, 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 it's truly, truly a, a very interesting layered piece. Going back to sex and the, the inclusion of sex in cinema, you know, definitely, you know, some sex is out and out titillating. Cronenberg very distinctly and very routinely uses sex as character moments. Mm-hmm. Crash is an entire movie about people living in the grip of sexual obsession at the point of car accidents, at the point of graphic violence to the body, at the point of this jarring experience, um, at the cusp on a certain level of life and death itself. Mm-hmm. The survival aspect. Then you go and you look at something like um, History of Violence, another one of his films based on a, on a graphic novel. He has our main character have sex with his wife two times on screen. One time is as the person that we know. The other one is as this person that he's accused of being. Mm-hmm. Is it him? Is it not him? It's a little bit hard to tell. But it is, at the end of the day, someone that he is being accused of being. Mm-hmm. And so we get to watch these two different versions of an intimate moment of this man with his wife. One is the person that we know. One is the person he's accused of being. And it tells a lot about who the character is. I mean, it's it's like, um, I'm sure that that's probably where... Oh gosh, what's, what's the name of that film? Um, Adam Driver. The Last Duel. Yes. Um, I'm Three sure different that, perspectives. Exactly, exactly. But only one perspective. That All is... around the life, feud, and rape mm-hmm. of these three individuals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, and also, you know, but it, that's also such an interesting thing as well. You know, perspective is is truly a guiding force um, for story. Because you can tell the same story with the same lines with nothing changed really at the structure on the page and the way that you you the way that you you present the material can can drastically change what the what this scene what the story is about well in like that first you know in a history of violence again to continue the example that first scene is about love mm-hmm it's almost innocent. It's almost naive. It's a it's an act of sex, but it's almost um demure. Mm-hmm. Um it's sweet. Mm-hmm. The next one comes I can't remember if it's the beginning at the end, comes in the context of someone looking at the other person and saying, Fuck you. You know, it's it's fueled by this entirely different energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you, you take that same sort of aspect to a filmmaker who is so willing to explore body, sex, violence, um, 
and what it takes to feel something to be human. Mm-hmm. Can you be human if you don't feel pain? Can you be human if you don't do X? Can you be human if you don't have sex in the way that we consider it to be? Vigo talks about, I'm not good at sex the old way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this fascinating exploration of humanity, where it goes. At what point do you end? At what point do you begin? How far does someone have to venture even physically into you to find you? And also, I think that this, like, idea of, like, human evolution on a, on a rapid scale, you know, we have been stuck in this very slow to almost non-existent human evolution. We've become stagnant and comfortable. Um, and so, you know, being being jolted into into evolution on a, on a very, very literal fashion of, of people growing organs and, you know, not having pain it's it's it is to your point you know where does where does he where do we stop being human if we continue down this line you know even we can they may look like humans they may talk like humans but are they really human inside anymore um um, it almost felt a little bit uh to your point covid responsy there are people who are like what the fuck is up with people who still haven't gotten covid Mm mm-hmm the fuck do you mean they they're still following protocol yeah they're still being diligent mm-hmm. Vigo Mortensen's character hadn't ever run afoul of the organization mm-hmm. because he was still being diligent you know he was still even if he was treading certain lines mm-hmm. politically and was also doing other things he was also still ultimately very cognizant of his body, of his health, mm-hmm. you know, um, even if if some of his thinking ended up being flawed. I mean, he was doing everything that he could with the, with the knowledge that he was given. And, and, and so I think that, like, on a certain degree, you can also almost see this sort of idea of adapting to a new lifestyle, you know, which I think also echoes some of our own today's day and age, and this idea to retain normalcy at any cost even when it's hurting people to conform to your standards Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when it's actively hurting people like the you know it is portrayed very clearly i think that vigo does a phenomenal job of portraying a person who is in constant pain it's hard to speak it's hard to breathe it's hard for him to feel normal anytime and he's and he's he's trying desperately for it, you know. He's got all of this all of this stuff that is supposed to help him feel better, and, and like it doesn't work. Yeah, and there are times when like there, you know, it comes and goes, and he has his good days and he has his bad days. But like for the most part, he is he is a person living with chronic pain. Mm-hmm. And like I think that that makes the 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 moment like right at the end that like the 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 screen going to black and white and that final tear when he like realizes. Final joy, final comfort of some kind. Yeah, because I think that this, I mean, honestly, that's the first time, that's the only time that we ever see him cry. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that that, that shot, the fact that it, it goes from being technicolor 
to being black and white. Like, I think that he finally finds his Kansas, almost, you know, in this moment. Ah, that's an interesting read on that. You know, it's, it's, it is a, a very direct point to go to this, it's almost a still image. You know, mm-hmm. it is a live recording, but it is also almost a still photograph of this moment of pure bliss, pure awareness, almost the culmination of a life's journey Mm -hmm. at this moment of realization that came so late in his life. But he's not jaded about it in that moment. He's not bitter about how late it finally came. He is just experiencing joy that he finally fucking found it yeah no honestly and i think that it's also because like that moment for me really read as like an older film you know we go into the black and white we go into a very still focus you know it's him it's almost like it's almost like a a universal horror film from back in the day you know like you almost expect to see dracula yeah, you know, in that yeah. same sort of angle. <laughs> no, no, honestly, but I think that it works so well because, like, um, I think that it really, I think it's this movie is almost like has the opposite effect of what you're expecting. You know, like it's all of this glitz and all this glam, and at the end of the day, all he wanted was something so simple that the moment is so perfectly portrayed in black and white, in yeah. still with this single tear. I think it's just it's truly um, this movie. This movie has me no you know it's it's a it's a moment of truth and honestly i think that um like i said i think that to a to a certain degree my opinion on the film is definitely um improved i think even just in the terms of this discussion mm-hmm. uh so honestly if you had to rate uh the film out of five what do you think that you would give crimes of the future honestly i give i give crimes of the future a five out of five i think that this i truly i truly loved this movie i thought that this film um there's i guess for me you know a, a really good film has to make me think about it you know just just constant want of um you know just can't stop it it's an earworm for me and i and i think that this film is just has has so many interesting things to say. I, I really I really drive a lot with 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 how liberal this film is, you know, um, but also just like how creative it is and and um, I, creepy but sexy. It's got so many layers. I I really I really enjoyed this film a lot. Um, what do, what do you what do you give it? I'm going to go for a four out of five. Okay. I I think that it is incredible. There were a few moments for me that were um, stilted. And there were also a few moments for me that I was like, guys, you're burying me in information. Please, let me just live for a second in the moment. Um, I think that I, I was very Shakespearean in its in its monologuing. Um, and so there were a few moments where I was like, I get it. I didn't need these people to explain it. I get the concept, you know? Um, and, and so for me, it is just a few of those things. Honestly, though, like, if you liked this, I think that you will fucking love Eastern Promises. You know, and I... 
I don't just say that as someone who loves that movie. I think that that movie um, is firing on a lot of the same cylinders. And so I'd be really curious to also go and, and show you something of him doing almost the entire perfect opposite, but still touching on all of the same things. Mm-hmm. You know, go to the ultra-grounded version of almost this story. Oh, this reminds me of... I, I need to... I'll have to look it up later. Um, there's this... A compilation of, of short plays. They're like one acts that um, the BBC put on. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, what is his name? Um, Alan Rickman is in it and a lot of other like famous uh, people of the BBC. But it has this like absurdist. Do you know what shows they are? I I could look it up. It was a whole, um, it was like a special that they did. Um, were any of them, um... It's, it's, it's definitely televised. This is how I watched it. Um, I watched it in school, I think. I was just gonna go out on a limb. Um, are any of them anything like, uh, I can't remember if Pillow Man or, um, The General of a Nishmore? Um, I don't think, I'm not sure. There was this one that really stuck out to me, though, and it, they're, they're, they're people in pots. Okay. And their heads are sticking out of the pots, and, like, the rest of them is completely covered in, and it's these, and they all just have their own individual monologue that they are doing. And you, you zoom in on each one individually, and then you, like, do this whole big outward look around and it's like this graveyard basically of these people in pots all continuing with this like inner monologue mm. that they're saying and um again it was something that it, it really just like made me think about it a lot you know the you know, what are you where you had to be as a person to to create this kind of art Mm-hmm. you know and i think that like like crimes of the future i loved the fact that they were doing like performance art i felt like it's as... almost brechtian you know it's yeah. extreme it's yeah it's, it's very big it's it's truly absurdist yeah and i and i just really loved how fully he just dove into this you know it's it's not something that people go to lightheartedly or often yeah and it's all it's I'm always very, very impressed when somebody does it in a way that, that, that is truly breathtaking. Cause I think that you can do it poorly and it's been done poorly so many times to the point where people just go, what if we just made fluff? Fluff is easy. Fluff is nice. You know, why does anything have to have any meaning anymore? Let's just, just shovel it down the throats of the people. It's good. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm really curious about watching more about uh more of his his movies. You know me. I love a I love a weird artist. I, I love uh Wes Anderson. You know, he's a weird dude. <laughs> well, um like I, like I was definitely saying, I think that I think the promises, you know, would definitely be a, a really good interesting sort of counterfoil to this movie. You know, this this very ultra grounded um film that is also still about autonomy about bodies about sex about violence about the casual nature of both um mm-hmm. towing these lines these these this very like taboo yes topics um 
And that's also the film where uh, Viggo Mortensen gets into a, a full frontal nude fight scene. And all we see is him cradling people in this one, man. It's because it's because he's it's because he's in pain. Yeah, he's meant to be this timid and also ultimately for him the most intimate part about him isn't his penis, it's about what's inside of him. No, yeah, that's the thing that he puts on display. It's Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the thing that he exposes for his art. It's his it's his it's his. That essence. is his it's, most it's, private part. Yeah, it's his insides. Yeah. Um, but no, in that movie, he finds himself um at the at the at the at the hands of two attackers, and he, and he fends himself off fully nude, and it's it's horrifying. Um. So I'd be curious to also see, you know, what your opinions are if they shift in any way on crimes of the future after improve. You know, maybe you prefer something else that he did. I'd be I'd be very curious to see. No, this is definitely an artist that I can jive with. Um... Well, James Spader loved working with him as well, so. James Spader and Vigo are both like return actors for uh, for Cronenberg. And honestly, you know, I think that you know, I, you, I love a weird artist. You know, I think that I think that um, Robert Patton is pa- Robert Pattinson is is having a, a fun weird time, and and he's I'm, worked with Cronenberg as well. See, see, I'm I'm just throwing out names that I feel like you know as a weird person. This is this is weird stuff. I don't think that this is for. The light of part of any category, you know. I I think that you don't go into a Cronenberg movie going, this is just going to be a cakewalk. I think that you go to a Cronenberg movie going, it's going to get weird and it's going to be great. And maybe even if I don't get uncomfortable, I'm definitely going to have to decide what I think about some of this. And and what you decide is on at the, at the end of the day is like 100% just commitment. <laughs> no, and, and you... You having to really parse through how and why you felt something happened the way that it did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have to get past your own biases as well. Yeah, because, I mean, like, this movie definitely, um... is challenging in its own ways. Even for me. Um, that don't have anything to do with the graphical content purely about the thematic. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll wrap up our uh, discussion with some, some new trailers that have come out. Trailers! Uh, so the first one that I want to bring up is a, a new action thriller man versus nature it's almost essentially you know it it you know it's a man versus nature story cocaine bear i thought that this was the one you were saying i was like man versus nature i mean nature versus nature to a certain extent that bear is on cocaine uh so it is based on the true story that apparently um a bear got into a certain amount of cocaine it's, I can't, I can't confirm or deny this. I need to look into a little bit further. 
Um, there's a chance that it's from one of the, the CIA cocaine smugglers that happened back in the 70s and 80s. Oh. That dropped product indiscriminately. Oh, so this movie is going to be like that other, that heist movie that we watched with The Rock when he was still funny. Um, that's based on the uh, Pain and Gain. Yes. Yes, a little bit more like that, I suppose. Um, but even more heightened, probably. I mean, yeah, the cocaine, it's, it's going to do a lot of, a lot of um, theatrical color. Yeah, you know, and, and like, I'm sure that not that many people actually had repeat incidences with the bear. No, yeah, and I'm sure that the rampage was probably not as graphic as we're going to see in this film. Yeah, but... We're doing a movie called Cocaine Bear, so we've got to deliver on a cocaine bear. No, I like the fact that they had the same font as um, Atomic Blonde <laughs> for the logo. Um, I'm very much looking forward to it, though. Goofy-ass movie. Oh, yeah, But no. it's right up my alley. You know, piranha shit. Oh, no, I'm so pumped for it, though. It's gonna, it's gonna be a great time. I hope so. Um, if it's not a great time, I You dropped the ball. Yeah, I was sorely, I was sorely mistaken. I was promised Fumble a of a film. lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um. That's CGI bear, um, oof. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, especially since we recently built our G1 Optimus Lego. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh... Transformers, uh, what the hell's this new subtitle? Way of the Beast? It doesn't matter. It's the Beast Wars one. Uh, that's right. Um, there's a new Transformers movie, uh, and it's got, uh, Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, uh, as our, as our main character. It's a sequel to Bumblebee. Which was, you know, the 80s set film with, with Haley Steinfeld. Uh, and so we're doing a little bit of time jump, a character difference. Um, it's, the, it's the Beast Wars Transformers hybrid movie that they're doing because, I don't know, reasons? Um, because nobody watched the show and so they have to, they have to tell people, hey, guess what? There are other Transformers other than that one with with Shia LaBeouf. You have to introduce everybody else to it, not just the people who who know the lore. Um, it's a stepping stone. It looks fine. Honestly, I thought that the human parts of it were probably the weakest moments of the thing. I thought that all the Beast Wars and the the, the Transformers stuff looked looked cool, looked great. Well, and, um, you know, honestly, if I had any real criticism of the the Beast Wars Transformers stuff, it's that you hired Ron Perlman, and then you buried his voice to where, if I didn't know it was Ron Perlman, I wouldn't know it was Ron Perlman, and how dare you do that, too. Ron, Ron Perlman deserves better. I understand. I understand that. You let Steve Buscemi have full Steve Buscemi voice in Transformers 4, okay? You let John Goodman... Have full John Goodman voice in four and five. Yeah, because these people are known for their voice. I know Ron Perlman for his voice. If you don't know Ron Perlman by voice alone. Then you're probably the other 75% of the population. (laughs) 
congratulations. You're in the majority. <laughs> High fives all around, guys. You're winning. Um, no, I mean, honestly, I could give you Hellboy, but, like, that's not necessarily, like, what Ron Perlman sounds like. No, I understand what you mean by that. You know, um, whereas, like, John Goodman, John Goodman doesn't have to change his voice for anything. He is John Goodman in every single thing that John Goodman has ever been in. No, that's fair. Um, so, I mean, I understand your point. I don't think that it was necessary for them to do all of this stuff. Maybe they were trying to pull into the fact that, like, he is a gorilla. Or or he's the ancestor of Peter Cullen. And so they tried to make him sound more like Peter Cullen. Because I definitely, I know for a fact that our great, great, great grandchildren is just going to sound exactly copy and paste like me. So yeah, they're my, you know, great grandchild will actually sound better than me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but actually will evoke every bit of what you sound like right now. So thank mm-hmm. goodness we have this podcast for them to reference later. Perfect. It'll survive. That's right. Endure and survive. <laughs> um, the world. I'll go. To the theaters? I didn't... Maybe not. (laughs) I will watch it. Fantastic, fantastic. I'll go is more a sentiment of, I will will at some point, when it is available to me, put it into my eyeballs. Oh. Um, Forcibly. Um, Beyond that... (laughs) There's there's another trailer that we're forgetting right now. What was no, the, I was I was bring I was bringing it around. Oh oh, I'm so sorry. I'll let you conduct. Uh, the last one that I wanted to bring up was one that I feel like I was more interested in by a lot when it was done than you. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Oh gosh, Ugh, we just watched it, and I was like, gosh, I wish I remembered what the the other trailer was. Um. No, yeah, uh, but I think that also you just have more of a um, touchstone for Indiana Jones than I do. Mm. Like, your your fan boner went off, and, like, I like Indiana Jones, but I also was like, man, look at them CGI, some, some Harrison in there, as young Harrison. I was like... He looked good, I will, I will say that, though. Like, the brief instances of, like, de-aged Harrison, I was like, you know what, this is probably one of the best de-agings I've seen. No, yeah, but, like, I already knew what kind of movie I was walking into was like, all right, guys, it's gonna be the, the beginning half of, of Halloween Ends, where it's just Laurie monologuing about the before four times... And the remember that dumbs. And I just... Well, I'm wondering if they're turning um, Mads Mikkelsen into like a like a decades-long nemesis. I mean, they could, they could totally do that. He would have had to have been an infant in the beginning times. Well, we see a young man. There was a, a very brief shot of a young Nazi discovering something and i'm wondering if we're we're doing this sort of like it's a decades long nemesis of indies i mean i guess that's fine but he's old as crap and when will we actually have a new indiana jones when he's dead and it turns over to i guess maybe phoebe bridge 
But the thing is, we've done this several times where we go, all right, and now well, the torch Well, Shia gets... went off the deep end, so... Well, we've done this several times where we go, all right, here's the torch, there it goes, just kidding, Indiana caught it again. <laughs> Thank God for Harrison. Harrison can't catch... Can't... He's been catching the bouquet for years, he what can't are you talking do it. about? He can't do it again. Well, he did this one, and I guess that's my point, you know? I think that this one was the step too far for me. He's 85. I don't actually know how old Harrison Ford is. Do not quote me on that. Well, and I kind of love this idea that, like, uh... He's tired. Yeah, he doesn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> that feels like I just I love as... it. I'm sorry, that feels like just as good of a reason to not do it. Um, you know, and I get, I get that Harrison is excited about this movie, and I am excited for Harrison's excitement because We've that man... We've got John Reese davies in a motherfucker. Because that man does not smile for anything anymore, and... And he you, cried for this movie. Yeah, yeah, because it made him look good. Um, We've got Gimli up in here. No, I know, but I guess that's my point. I just feel like this movie is just for the fans. It's an entire, we've, we've stretched this, if it is this decades-long fight, then it's just an excuse for us to go back and remember all of Indiana's best moments. We're just going to get flashback porn. Just constant. It's going to be the entire film. And then Harrison's going to make jokes about the fact that he's too old for this shit. And I just, and I just don't know if I've got, like, another, I, I, I don't know if I've got the excitement I, I was excited about the, the Crystal Skull one because I thought, hey, we're actually going to pass on the torch. But the thing is, is all of these franchises all of the time are like, we're so concerned that like of doing anything new that we keep resorting back to the same thing. We're going to have Rambo 17 coming out soon. You know, we're just going to keep doing this. At least at least with Creed, we went to a different form of the exact same thing. You know, at least it, the thing is evolving. I just, I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, in this trailer, we didn't see, you know, obviously the first trailer is always just the, the essence trailer. Mm -hmm. And maybe there is a whole extra character, you know, maybe this movie is going to pull a um, multiverse of madness on me and have an entire main character that was never in the trailer whatsoever. You know, maybe, maybe they're going to pull a that on me where we're just going to have our America come in here and I'm going to be like, holy crap, I didn't know you were in this film and you're the main person, you say? Fascinating. Wow, Marvel, you did a really bad job of advertising her. Um, and maybe this movie's going to do that for me. But right now, right now, Harrison looks really old. He looks really tired and we're doing it again, guys. But Hell this yeah. time with glitter. Hell Yeah. <laughs> And okay, um, no, I think I, I was more excited about the Transformers film, honestly. <laughs> no, I certainly understand where you're coming from. I do unabashedly love Indiana. We named the dog Indiana. Um, Virginia. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, um, <laughs> fantastic. A plus. I. I love it. I am so excited to see John Reese Davies again. Um, and I don't I don't necessarily, I guess, like most of the time when people really like dangle the nostalgia keys in front of me, I don't feel like I typically bite. No, no, but this one has you hooked. No. <laughs> You're ready. I'm like, hells yes. You know, like I heard the chords and I was like, fuck a doodle. 
Yes. I mean, you had excitement face on before the thing even started. Um, I love Indiana. I love Harrison in the part. Um, if Harrison is excited, I am excited. I love, um, what James Mangold did with Logan. You know, James Mangold took the X-Men franchise and the Logan Wolverine character, who, for me, I thought was pretty played out at the point that he came in. And I thought that he did something very special with Logan. Oh, is he and just so, going to do the same thing with Indy? He's just going to make him tired and old and grouchier? Shit, yeah, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> because that's also, like, where Harrison lives now. And so I'm totally on board for pissed off old man Logan Harrison Indiana Jones. Like, that sounds... The musical. <laughs> <laughs> High school musical, the series, the musical. Uh, the TV show, the play, the musical. Indiana Jones. Um, <laughs> and so... It's played by Zac <laughs> I'd watch it. Um, <laughs> It'd be a mess. <laughs> um, but no, like... I'm 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 very legitimately excited about this and even though it is a you know a teaser trailer um for me it it definitely did hit that that right sort of of feeling of vibe you know I think it's I think it's interesting to take a character that uh when we honestly left Harrison, he was he was back on top of the world at the end of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting to see him suddenly at like kind of bottom. Um, and and I guess I'm sort of I'm curious to see what Mangold does with him because I do really like Mangold as a filmmaker. Three Ten to Yuma, Walk the Line, um, uh, uh, Ford versus Ferrari, Logan. I really really think that he is. Um, a smart storyteller mm-hmm. and and very reliable in what he does no no and I really did I truly did enjoy Logan a lot I thought that um to your point you know I was I was at that point of being like I don't I don't know what you could possibly do with Wolverine you can't me take me interested. to that place anymore I'm die you've You've lied to me so many times, and then then that movie happened. Um, but that's how I feel about the Batman film. You know, it's like you, oh, you couldn't you, have done it again. You, but you goddamn did. Yes, son of a bitch. And that's, I guess, where I'm really hoping is that like it comes through at the end with the. You can't possibly have another Last Crusade in you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Oh man. I wonder who's going to be the running body double for Harrison. There's no way there's they're, they're going to make that man run around. <laughs> He's elderly. This is his last film. That's my bet. I'm still desperate for a Karen Allen cameo, but... Well, we don't know because this was only a teaser trailer. That's right, that's right, that's right. You know who won't be in the movie? Sean Connery? Shia. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know. Shia. Well, yeah. They'll they'll actually bring that it's more likely that they will bring Sean Connery back from the dead mm-hmm. than include Shia's character. No, no, they're going to blip right past that. We're going to pretend like that other movie didn't happen. CG ghost Sean Connery will will greet Harrison as he walks through the pearly gates. Well, honestly, we can completely ignore that film entirely. We can just have this be a direct sequel to the original. To the third one, yeah. Yeah. Hell, I mean, honestly, to your point, you could even skip the third one. You could make it literally a direct sequel to the actual first one. Yeah, yeah, like Harrison's a Harrison's life... 
never got good. Like oh, the reboot cools mm-hmm. that we know and love of this generation. Yeah, like all of the all the legacy sequels. Mm-hmm. Um that's just about all that I have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, for the dear listeners. Dear, do you have anything that you would like to, to share with the listeners? Um, gosh, um, what was your favorite movie this year? You should, you should pop out your, your finger badoos and, and type up that question or, or comment or concern. To put the- it on Twitter, put it in an email, Yeah, I mean, put it could- in Instagram. You can put anything on Twitter nowadays. So, like, let's. What was your favorite film? Give me the whole thing. You know, type up, type up a, type up. A... Badly explain the plot of it and let me try and guess it on Twitter. Ooh, ooh, that's a fun game that I want to play. <laughs> Badly explain as shittily as you can in as many tweets. I don't care if it's one tweet. I don't care if it's twenty of you trying to poorly explain to me the plot. Please and thank you. And then I'll try and figure it out from there. Because, because... No actor names. No, 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 no. Or, or only actor names, no character names. Mm, mm, mm. He's gonna be really good at this, just FYI. He's gonna guess it pretty quick, so, um, be as vague as possible. The shittier, the better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Make it fun for him. That's right, that's right. Otherwise, I'll get bored. Exactly. we don't want that. <laughs> I never want that. That's what my job is for. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, beyond that, I don't necessarily have anything. I think that your suggestion is great. Um, definitely tell us, you know, about, uh, the movies that you were into. Go out and see a movie in theaters. At this point, it almost literally doesn't matter what you see in theaters. Just please try and help theaters out. Go and see a movie in a theater I definitely recommend, if you can, Glass Onion. Um, I think it's probably leaving uh, this weekend. Um, uh, In December, mid-December, Top Gun Maverick is coming back out in theaters. The new Avatar movie is coming out, and if you're not hype about it, then you don't love cinema enough, because James Cameron is here for what? Cinema. So... Hey, listen, 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 listen to me, dear listener. Do you love Guillermo del Toro? Of course you do. You've got ears and a heart and eyes. So, if you love Guillermo del Toro, Guillermo del Toro loved his father. Do you know who helped Guillermo del Toro save his father? James Cameron. Go and see Avatar The Way of Water and help out James Cameron. He's a good dude. He's a madman. And save Guillermo's father. <laughs> no, he's fine. <laughs> well, I mean, he's dead now, but... <laughs> the, the point, point still is, remains. Go and help out a champion of cinema. That's right. Go and watch Avatar The Way Do of Water. Do the Lord's work. Look, if Avatar The Way of Water is the worst thing you saw this year, then you didn't see a shitty movie in theaters. Well, well, in theaters is the real crux here. Um, Listen. Um, because there are crappy movies all over the internet now. <laughs> Just subscribe to one of the thousands. Just of go to Tubi. Uh- <laughs> Dude, go to Netflix. That's right. Um, but that's truly the last thing that I have for y'all. 
Uh, we're going to be bringing y'all, of course, for your considerations all month long. Um, there's a chance that we might do some, some micro-reviews as a little uh, 12 days of leading up to Christmas. Some little fun little, you know, half-hour snippets on stuff. Uh, so, so stay tuned, keep listening, keep watching, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye! Bye.